Almighty God, we thank you that we have been found by you and that you are a God who delights in finding that which is lost and that you are a God who delights in us. And we pray, God, that you would remind us this morning of your deep joy towards those who are lost and that you would shape our hearts to find joy in what you find joy in. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, I wanna welcome you here to Trinity, especially if it's your first time with us, we're delighted to have you. I'm Jana, I'm one of the priests here, and I've been on sabbatical for the last year, so it's a real joy for me to serve you in this way this morning. And if you weren't with us last week, we're turning our attention this fall season to who we are becoming as a church. We're in a very exciting season of becoming. Becoming church of the incarnation, becoming a church with a permanent home, a permanent space. And alongside that, becoming a church that is committed and discerning to who and what God is calling us to be. We started last week talking about some invitations that God has for us in this season, both individually and collectively as a group. What is God inviting us into? Who is God calling us to become? Last week we heard from John becoming a church that's all in a church that's all in to following Jesus. Today, we're gonna hear about becoming a church that's outward facing, a church that loves those who are outside of it. And we're gonna hear about becoming a church soaked and steeped in prayer, becoming a church that's generous and abundant. And we're gonna look at these ways of how God is inviting us in this season to lean into what he's doing here among us. About 15 years ago, I was the maid of honor in a, a dear friend's wedding. And for a reason that I don't understand, there wasn't a ring bearer in the, in the wedding. And so just before everybody was set to go down the aisle, they realized somebody's gotta hold the rings. So they looked at me, I guess they thought I seemed fairly responsible. And they passed me this beautiful antique diamond ring. So we all walked down the aisle. I'm standing next to the bride. It's a beautiful outdoor venue, huge oak trees and Spanish moss. And I'm twiddling this lovely ring around my fingers. And ever so gently, it slips out of my hand. And I look down and I can't see it. The Louisiana grass is thick and long and my heart starts to palpitate and I try to remain calm, obviously. It's the middle of a wedding and I can't find it. And so I take just a little step back so I'm not like out of line with the large bridal party. And I keep 
kind of looking and it's nowhere to be found. And so after a few minutes that seemed like eternity, out of the corner of my eye, I catch a little glimmer right down by my foot. And I just ever so calmly <laughs> grab that ring and the wedding continues. The celebration goes on. And our text this morning is about finding something that's lost, something actually quite valuable. And so we're gonna look this morning, starting in verse 15, as we heard now, all the tax collectors and sinners are coming near to listen to him. And the hymn is Jesus. These tax collectors and sinners are coming near to Jesus. And if you're familiar with the gospel readings, tax collectors and sinners are code for people who are on the outside. People who are actually far away from the religious establishment. Tax collectors are people that are cheating God's people. People that you don't wanna be, you can't trust. You don't wanna be close to people that you can't trust. Sinners are the, this general term, right? For people who are either morally corrupt or actually they're too poor to have access or resources to keep all of the laws that the people of God in this time are following. And those people want to be close to Jesus. And we actually have these people in our lives. You can just think about anybody that you actually wanna keep at an arm's distance, right? People that you just hope do not come to your church. These are the people that have an affinity for Jesus. They want to be close to him. They wanna hear what he has to say. And the religious folks are like not happy about this. And they're grumbling and complaining. And they say like, this guy Jesus welcomes these people. Not only do they wanna be near to Jesus, but Jesus wants to be near to them. Jesus welcomes these folks and he wants to be near to them. And so Jesus responds to this kind of bad attitude, you might say, about what he's doing with a series of three parables or stories. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And two of them are what we heard today in our gospel text. So we're gonna jump into that and invite the gospels to shape us and speak to us about what we are becoming as people and as a church in particular in this season. So Jesus begins with the first parable and he asks a question to these Pharisees and scribes and to us who are gathered here this morning. Which of you having 100 sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go out and search for that one lost sheep until you find it. And this question actually invites a negative response. You can see the Pharisees kind of looking at each other like, no, like we wouldn't do that. Like who would do that? Who would leave 99 sheep in the wilderness susceptible to predators and go out searching for one that they may or may not find. Like, no, Jesus, like, of course we wouldn't do that. What a bad idea. 
Who would do that? But Jesus goes on. And he says, when that shepherd, who's actually left those 99 to go searching for that one, when he finds it, he picks up that sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he's ecstatic with joy and delight. Okay, that's great. Good for Jesus, right? Good for that shepherd. Good for whoever found that sheep. But then Jesus presses on. He goes on. It's not sufficient for the shepherd to find that sheep and be happy about it for himself. He calls his aunt Sally and his neighbor Bob across the street and says, hey, rejoice with me. I had this sheep that was lost and now I have found it. Join in to my joy. And his response is like really almost over the top. It's abundant, it's excessive. He found this one little sheep and he's super pumped about it and he wants everybody else to join in and his joy. And Jesus is pressing on something here. He's pressing on something with this parable. He's telling them and us something about what God is like. And he says in verse seven, he shines a little bit of light on the parable and he says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. The whole company of heaven joins in in the rejoicing of this one lost lamb being found. And so what appears to the Pharisees and to us like a really bad economic move is actually something foundational and fundamental in the divine economy that God is seeking and searching for what is lost. God is risky and abandoned. And he is looking for those who are lost. And God is all in. And there's this joy, this excessive joy in the finding of the lost. And this is what God is like. And some of us have this view of God that God is kind of far away, that God is really stoic, he's distant. But the God revealed to us in Jesus, the God revealed to us in this parable this morning is God incarnate, God near to us, God who is seeking and searching and finding a risky God filled with joy and delight a God who calls the whole company of heaven into this joy, excuse me, into this joy. This is what God is like. And then Jesus goes on to the second parable. And the ratio shift here a little bit. We shift from 101 to 10 to one. And he says, this woman has 10 coins and she loses one of those coins. And so she lights a lamp either it's night or she doesn't have any windows, but either way, she's not waiting for like a convenient moment. And she sweeps and sweeps and searches and sweeps until she finds that coin that is lost. There's no giving up in this scenario. There's no relenting. And when she finds it, she responds as the shepherd. She calls her friends and her neighbors and says, rejoice with me. I found this little coin 
that I had lost. And there's this really overboard nature to it. And it begs the question, like, are we missing something here? This woman sees some value in this coin and this shepherd sees some value in this one little sheep that is cause for like celebration, like inviting people over to celebrate. What's the big deal about that sheep and that coin? And the second thing that I wanna name about this parable is that not only, not only does it tell us something about what God is like, it also tells something about ourselves. It tells us something about what we are like. That God delights in you in an excessive kind of way. That God is searching for you and that you are found in him. And really the distance in space and time between the Pharisees sitting there listening to Jesus in Galilee and you and I sitting here in Atlanta this morning is vast, it's huge. But this is what God is up to in the world. Over centuries, God has been seeking and searching and finding that which is lost and you and I have been found by him. We are those who were lost and God has found us and God delights in you and finds excessive joy in your finding. And that is something that is true about you, that the whole company of heaven rejoices in your finding. And this is really the scandal of the gospel that all throughout the gospels, people have a really hard time like coming to terms with this, like no, like, that it doesn't work like that. Like he doesn't leave the 99 to go search for the one. It's not fair. It's not wise. It's a bad move. Yet there's an invitation for us here this morning to have our hearts and minds reoriented around what is true about God and what is true about us. I want you to think for a moment about how it is that you came to be found by God? How is it that you came to faith, you might say? And for some of us, it's from our families of origin, right? Our parents or grandparents or our spouses or a friend that invited us to church. And I would guess that most of us have a lot of people all along the way, right? That participated in one way or another with us being found a community of joy that knew what God was up to in the world and aligned themselves with what God was doing. Friends, we are an outward facing people, not because of us, but because we serve an outward facing God. And one of the words that the church uses to talk about this outward facing nature of the church is evangelism, participating with God and seeking and finding and rejoicing in the loss being found. And the apostle Paul talks about this in his letter to the church at Corinth. Another way he talks about it is like we have been reconciled to God and we have been invited into the ministry of reconciliation. We have been invited to participate. And I think for some of us, evangelism feels kind of like a little bit of a scary word, like I don't know enough stuff. And I'm all about knowing stuff, right? We're like, 
we're people, we're a community of learning. We, we wanna know the word of God and we wanna know all the things about God that we can know. But if we think about the ways that we came in to a community of faith, it's often through people. Not people that often know every single thing there is to know, but people that loved us and shared love with us and invited us into a community that joined us in being found. One of my favorite theologians, uh, Stanley Hauerwas, says it this way, the church doesn't have a mission, the church is mission. Our fundamental being is based on the presumption that we are witnesses to a Christ who is only known through witnesses. To be a witness means you bear the marks of Christ so that your life give life to other people. I can't imagine Christians who are not fundamentally in mission as constitutive of their very being because you do not know Christ except by someone telling you who Christ is. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is the task of Christians to embody the joy that comes from being made a part of the body of Christ. And that joy should be infectious and pull other people towards it. And all throughout the text here, there's this implicit invitation for the scribes and the Pharisees to like join in, to join in to what God is doing. At the end of each parable, we hear the words of the shepherd and the words of the woman, rejoice with me for I have found what I lost. And God is inviting us to index our joy to his joy. He's inviting us into his mission to be about what he's about in the world, finding that which is lost. And this is one of the practices I wanna call us to in this season and the life of our church, to lean into being an outward facing people, to lean in to evangelism, to lean in to seeking and finding to lean into finding joy and what God finds joy in. This is my prayer for us, that when people like come among us, they're like, you know what? I don't totally know what's going on over there. Like there's some, they do some weird stuff and I don't know all the stuff that they believe, but I want to be near. Like I wanna be near those people. I wanna be a part of whatever that is. May that be true of us in Jesus' name. Each week, we're invited to this table by a hospitable, risky God, and he feeds us, and he welcomes us to himself. And then we are sent out into the world to do what the work that God has given us to do, to live as faithful witnesses, to turn our lives outward towards him. May that be true of us. Let it be so. Amen. I wanna invite you this morning into a moment of silent reflection as we often do at the end of our sermons. And I wanna invite you to pray this prayer before the Lord. God, I wanna find joy in what you find joy in. I just want you to sit with that prayer for a moment before the Lord. God, Lord, I wanna find joy in what you find joy in. And some of us might be, actually, some of us might need to pray the precursor prayer, I want to want. Like I want, I don't want now, but I want to want 
to like align my life with what you're about. And almost all of my prayers are precursor prayers. God, I want to want. And if that's where you are, that's okay too. So let's just take a moment and sit before the Lord. Lord, I want to find joy in what you find joy in.